Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio, and we're going to talk today about change and using our influence, using our intuition, and also manifesting and setting our intentions for the universe. Like, that's not a big, tall order, is it, Linda? No, I mean, it only takes a couple of lifetimes to get that one down straight. (laughs) But it's certainly a worthwhile goal. And you've got to pardon my voice today because I am just working on a case of laryngitis. Oh, my gosh. So our intention is for your voice to get better? <laughs> yes, yes. We're going to work on that. But, it, you know, intention is really, really so interesting. Um, I, I was listening to an interview today with the ever-famous, wonderful, talented um, Cecily Tyson, who's still working. I don't know how old she is, but she's got to be well into her 90s. And, um, you know, she was talking about things very personal. She was talking that she does have some pretty strong psychic powers, and she gave a couple of examples of that. But she also was talking about intention. And because she knows, because she has these these gifts. She knows to set the intention then get out of her own way and she gave an example. She was up for a part in a play on Broadway and she knew ahead of time that she only wanted to play the mother. And they were offering her another part because they said you're too you're too young, you're too sexy, you're too this, you're too that to play the mother. And she says I'll only be in this play if I can play the mother. And that was, you know, and that's how she left it. Well, a couple of weeks later, she got a call from her agent saying, you got the part as the mother. And she said, well, I knew it was going to happen. She said, I was just ahead of them. They had to catch up. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, you know, you talk about just the internal fortitude. There we go. Strong with what your, you know, with what your, your, your desire is, especially in Hollywood. Yeah, well, you know, she's been at it an awfully long time. Um, she, I mean, I, what made her famous was her, her back in the, I guess, late 70s when she was uh, Quinta Kinti's mother on Roots, and she just kept going from there. But um, it's, it, it's amazing. She was a model and then, of course, an actress, and she always just puts things out there, the intention, and then just let's see where the chips fall. And, I mean, it's such a great lesson, and the more I hear it, you know, the more it makes so much sense not to be pushing and pulling and running and going. Just put it out there, and let's see what happens. Well, 
Well, and I think that's a lot of what, you know, we've talked about in allowing um, ourselves to work within the flow that's already going instead of always pushing against it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, I think that's what we have to get straight is what is our intention? What do we really want? You know, what are we looking for? And um, when we figure that out, I think that's the hardest part is figuring that part out. And then once you figure that part out, uh, you know, put it in motion and then and see where it goes. It is. It's very important um, that we we not fight so much. Um, fighting against what is makes life miserable. It just makes everything so much harder, and it doesn't work. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, as I said, I'm because now my my head and my heart are are moving in that direction or in that direction. I hear so many stories. You know, the stories just come and they just blow me away of of things that happen. Um, you know, and our guest today is talking about synchronicity. Well, this is synchronicity to the nth degree, and it's and it's it's just so beautiful. Well, it is beautiful, and I think. Um, once we get to that point, life becomes a lot easier. And I'm really excited because today we're going to visit with Master Charles Cannon. And he has a company. If you guys want to check him out online while you're listening, you can go to synchronicity.org. But these are really important concepts, I think, for people to master. And it's something that is not really taught in schools. It's it's taught in a lot of books, but I think you have to kind of come across it, Linda. Um, I don't know, how did you come across kind of going with the flow and manifesting? <clears throat> I think it's called life experience. And, you know, I, I know that when I do that, things work out a whole lot better than when I'm pressing for something um, and it doesn't feel right in my gut, but I keep pressing anyway. Because we're taught, what are we taught? The harder you work, the more successful you're going to be, right? So it's all about the hard work, you know, working 10-hour days, 14-hour days, 16-hour days, as some of these young people do. And, you know, it, it's just... It's exhausting. So I think the best, the best teacher is just, you know, observing yourself, observing what comes to you, and and life will teach you um, if you're if you're open. And I think that that's really key too. You have to be open because I know I was closed off for a long time, and I I keep asking to be more open all the time so I can hear more of these. You know, I can I you just see things differently. And I know you do, too. Yeah, well, I found that out, you know, the hard way. It was very hard for me, and I kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And then when I switched gears and decided to go with the flow, things got a lot easier. And one of the things that got a lot easier was bringing on great guests to our show. And when we come back from the break, we're going to meet Master Charles Cannon. And what I like about him is that, we talk a lot about effortlessly empowering, effortlessly empowering ourselves, empowering our projects, empowering the people around us. And there are certain people in the world that can do that. And he's one of them. And he has got his own synchronicity foundation for modern spirituality. And he's developed this high tech meditation and he's got books. He's really got a lot to offer. So, you know, we're going to want to visit with him after the break and ask him all sorts of questions. Linda, what was the one thing this week that you found was effortless for you and got great results? Oh, dear. You're really putting me on the spot. Um, 
you know, I, I, I don't think anything is, has manifested this week that was like, oh, my God, it blew me away. I've heard lots of st- other people's stories. But, I, you know, I'm just so going with the flow now that, um, it, you know, it, it's all, it, it, see, all is good. And you know when all is good? Um, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's just, you're, you know, you set an intention to, that it's going to be good and, and you're happy no matter what comes or doesn't come. And I think, again, setting that intention that even, you know, when the crazy things happen, you're going you're gonna to be okay. You're going to be good. You're going to learn from it. It's, it's, there is no bad experiences, only good learning experiences. No, and I think understanding the outcome, you know, sometimes the outcome isn't what we want, but the outcome is the best thing that could possibly happen to us. Now, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And when we come back from the break, we're going to meet Master Charles Cannon. You're not going to want to miss this. He's an expert in his field, and he's going to bring lots of great information that will help you for this week and weeks to come. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. butt dialed someone accidentally according to a report for every 100 calls made to 911 this year about 40 were dialed unintentionally recently a mother in canada called police after receiving a nightmarish cell phone call from her daughter filled with blood chilling screams and a man shouting murderous threats police discovered that the girl was at a movie theater in victoria Anticipating the worst, the cops were preparing to descend on the cinema when a dispatcher tried calling the girl's cell phone one last time. The girl answered her phone and explained she was not being attacked by a murderer, but was watching the horror film Cabin in the Woods. What do you call the activity of being impolite in a social situation by looking at your phone instead of paying attention to the person you are with? Fubbing. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And as promised, 
We are here with Master Charles Cannon. Now, he's a pretty amazing guy. He's met some awfully amazing people. And one of those is Eckhart Tolle. And I love his books. I love his work. So um, I'm always... I'm always like five steps away from greatness, and today we get greatness right here on the radio with us. And Master Charles Cannon, welcome to the show. Thank you. My pleasure to join you. So before we get into the concept of change and and intuition and intention, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our audience so that they know who they're listening to. Um, Well, that's a big question, isn't it? Um, It is. (laughs) I've been a uh, a lifelong mystic. <clears throat> I was a, a born mystic, and my mystical spiritual experiences uh, began to unfold when I was <clears throat> three years old. And born of that experience, my uh, lifelong journey <clears throat> unfolded as I tried to decipher the experience that I was having, <clears throat> and that uh, led me through my formative years and and into my uh, teenage years and uh, of exploration through comparative religion and philosophy and my education in in those regards, and then ultimately to the other side of the world, to India, where uh, I met a great master and became a disciple of his for 12 years and went sort of to the most time-honored and ancient roots of mysticism and spirituality on the planet and, and uh, learned the basics, and, uh, which assisted me to decipher my experience and, and make sense of it. <clears throat> and so I was trained under the thumb of a very classical uh, Indian guru who was very well known. His name was Swami Muktananda. And... Uh, I became uh, an ambassador of his. Um, I was his foremost Western disciple and, and traveled the world with him and as a representative of him uh, to all places. <clears throat> and then when he died in 1982, before that, he had trained me and told me that <clears throat> it was my destiny to modernize and westernize this uh, ancient truth <clears throat> that uh, he and so many other great masters had taught and find a way to translate that uh, in a, a more contemporary way to uh, Western audiences. So I returned to my country, to uh, this country, United States, <clears throat> settled in Virginia of all places, and uh, created a small hermitage and that was in 1983, <clears throat> and it soon uh, became a, a global organization uh, and now uh, is the headquarters uh, of this uh, global organization and has a retreat center here uh, on site where people come from all over the world to study modern spirituality and the a particular expression of it that I have uh, developed and shared uh, now over 30-plus years. Um, audience, um, Master 
Charles said we can call him MC, and I'm going with that MC. I just want to go back um, where you started. You said you had these gifts at a very young age. How how did you um, how did you react to these gifts? How did the people around you react to these gifts? Did you think that they were did you think that you they were very special, or did you not want them, or how did how did you feel about them? Because there's so many people that I've known recently that have special gifts and. Sometimes at the beginning, that kind of scares them. They don't know what to do with it because some of them think they've gone mad. Mm. Well, what happened to me was that I started to experience uh, apparition. Um, <clears throat> at, in the night during my sleep, I would awaken as a three-year-old child in bed, and I would see this apparition hovering over the end of my bed. And it, and it wasn't... Uh, threatening in any way. It was just a beautiful, luminous, loving, benevolent energy uh, and uh, very comforting. And so uh, I had no fear of it. And progressively out of this hovering luminosity at the end of my bed appeared the apparition of the Blessed Mother. And I recognized this because I was in a Catholic family and that icon was familiar to me. Um, and so um, the apparition unfolded and uh, just conveyed to me this very motherly, nurturing, loving energy and, uh, in, and told me again and again that there was nothing to be afraid of. And, and I wasn't afraid because it was a beautiful energy and um, also told me that I could share the experience with my mother. Mm-hmm. but with no one else. Mm-hmm. And so I shared it with my uh, mother, who happened to be a, a devotee of the Blessed Mother, and my mother was very supportive. She said to me, oh, how wonderful, you're so blessed, that's so beautiful, you aren't afraid, are you? I mean, she just kind of nurtured me as well uh, through the experience and encouraged me and, and validated it so that I was comfortable with it and as it continued to happen night after night, I would share the experience with her. And so this experience continued all through my formative years and still continues in my life today. Um, and I always say that it, it, that's the divine feminine archetype in, in consciousness. It's taking me many years to uh, decipher it and understand it in, in a way that's relevant uh, to me and the modern world, um, but uh, I have an affinity for that archetype because it is the uh, major archetype uh, of my uh, journey and, and many people's journey, and, and predominantly the divine feminine archetype is uh, creation, all of manifest consciousness, manifestation, 50 billion simultaneous universes and beyond that we Uh, know of. And the foremost principle of that is inclusion. Can you uh, recognize that the essence of all form is the same life energy or the same consciousness or the one is the many? And that's what I have been taught through that archetype and guided all of my life uh, and have actualized uh, in my own experience. 
Well, you know, that's very interesting um, that you say that, because what are we talking about in today's world, about how divided we are? Um, Everybody thinks that they're separate and apart from everybody else, and maybe what we're going to be going through with our new president is going to help us get to the point where we realize that we're all together and sort of we needed that, you know, kick in the bottom to, to, you know, start to think more clearly. Absolutely true. Um, I always look at it as the happenings of life, the happenings of consciousness and, and all our experiences really the happenings of life, moment by moment by moment. But the great masters always have posed this question. They say, yes, there are the happenings of life that you will encounter moment by moment. The important question is, who are you choosing to be in relation to the happening of life that you are experiencing? And I think that's a very important question today and a very relevant question Um, Can we, first of all, understand that the happenings of life are the happenings of life through which we, we grow and evolve in consciousness? Can we welcome them and accept them first and foremost as just the happenings of life, of consciousness? And second of all, uh, do we remain mired in our stories about what's happening? rather than uh, experiencing what's happening in a neutral kind of a way. And and that's the difference between uh, awakened living and and non-awakened living. Uh, An awakened person simply watches what's happening and endeavors to stay out of their stories about it and rather be a witness to it, flow with it, and trust that through it they are growing and will continue to evolve in in this way. So I think today's happenings in the, in the world, the modern world today, especially where we are sitting in this country about to inaugurate a new president, um, it's the same important question. Well, who are we choosing to be? in relation to this happening. We can be positive, we can be negative, we can be neutral, but what's important is whatever story we choose to tell affects our experience, and that's what we're responsible for. So if we tell negative stories, we're the one who has the negative experience. If we tell positive stories, we'll have a more positive experience, and if we can just remain neutral and a witness Uh, we'll have the most benevolent uh, experience for ourselves. So again, it always comes back to me to that personal responsibility for the reality that we create moment by moment by moment. We're visiting today with Master Charles Cannon. You can find out more about him at synchronicity.org. You're going to want to come back after the break where we're going to talk more about the changes that are coming, the intentions we set, and what we can expect in the months to come. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing hands. 
Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Emergency room nurse will tell you they receive some weird and wild calls. I used to be the night ER nurse at Hennepin County General Hospital in Minneapolis and remember getting a call from someone who was worried about if it mattered or not if their belly button was an innie or an outie. It doesn't matter, but if you're an outie, you are definitely the minority. Still, that's good news because you don't have to worry about a little problem that people with innies have. Pledge it. That's another word for belly button lint. Researchers say the color of the pledget in your belly button is related to the clothing you wear, just like the lint that collects in your clothes dryer. A friend of mine from the Philippines says they call it a chikachu. What do you call a person who's obsessed with their belly button? An omphalopsikite. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls about 42. Hey, ladies. This is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin, and we are visiting today with Master Charles Cannon. You can find more about him at synchronicity.org. Now, before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the changes that we're experiencing as a culture, as a community, as a cult, uh, country. Um, but one of the things that struck me was you talked about, and it's in your in your biography here about modern spirituality, and that that kind of piqued my interest because here you studied with these, you know, this great Swami, and you know, things that. When I think of modern, I think of like everything's new, everything's whatever. But I would love to know your definition of modern spirituality and how it applies to us today. Modern spirituality, of course, is as it implies a spirituality that is relevant to the times in which we live. Uh, If you um, read some of the great um, scholars like Karen Armstrong, who has written uh, many books on um, uh, the evolution of uh, religion or, or what we might call the evolution of God, what you see is that as people evolve, their um, understanding and their uh, representation of God changes. And you can see that through the history of religion. There's always a, an updating that is happening in relation to the uh, evolution uh, of the collective consciousness. And so modern spirituality acknowledges that and says whatever our God is has to be relevant 
to the times in which we live. And then there's spirituality versus religion, and uh, often this is confusing. Uh, spirituality uh, conforms more to a mystical perspective, and mysticism begins where the mind ends, or mysticism begins where religion ends. So um, <clears throat> religion is more of uh, an organized uh, belief system with rules and regulations, uh, etc., and, and belongs more in <clears throat> what we would call the egocentric levels of consciousness, where people are anchored in a belief of separation, that they are separate and different from their God in a far-off heaven, and there's no possibility of um, merging or oneness or communion. It, it remains in a in a dualistic uh, illusion, and religion addresses that uh, dualism through their rituals and their dogmas. But as consciousness evolves and individuals move into the more trans-egoic levels of experience, you move beyond that illusion of separation and you open to the oneness of all and everything or the non-dual aspect uh, of consciousness or life. And, and that's where spirituality emerges and what spirituality really relates to. It is a more holistic philosophy of life and a more holistic experience based on the truth that there is only one, that the essence of all and everything is the same life, the same spirit, the same consciousness. So uh, that's just what spirituality is, and then modern spirituality is making that uh, spirituality, that <clears throat> philosophical representation of life relevant to the times in which we are living here and now. Well, you know, that's quite a task. And, and I don't know if you find it, you know, with, with your, your, your retreat. And, but, I'm, you know, I'm, people are resistant to, to talk about spirituality. They're, they're resistant to think that there's more than, than them, you know, that, and that they, do, that they have the power inside them. Is it because when you talk about spirituality, it's, it, you have to take responsibility for your own life, and people are resistant to do that. They'd rather go find somebody that's going to fix everything for them rather than for them to participate. And that's a very good point, and and that kind of irresponsibility again belongs to the more uh, egoic levels of consciousness, and 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 religion serves that level of consciousness, but. When you evolve beyond that to trans-egoic levels of experience, you become responsible and you recognize that you are the creator of your experience and that you alone are responsible for that creation. <clears throat> so another aspect of it, uh, I think, also is um, the egoic levels of consciousness are, are very fear-based, <clears throat> and thus there is tremendous resistance to change. We want the security of the known, and we want the security of what is habitual and can be repeated and, and is safe. <clears throat> but as you, again, evolve beyond that, fear 
um, loses its dominance and yields to its opposite, which is love. <clears throat> and that's a much more open experience in which um, you're not so much concerned with safety and security, uh, but rather the exploration uh, of uh, a truth beyond that, uh, a truth that is anchored in the oneness of, of all and everything. I think you'd also find it um, particularly relevant that um, that resistance to change uh, is much more predominant in the older generations today, but in the younger generations, it is radically yielded. Uh, I reference a study that I uh, saw uh, a year or two ago done by CNN, where they were interviewing people between the ages of 18 and 35, and they were asking them if they were religious, uh, and 90% of them said, no, they were not religious, meaning they didn't follow in the religious traditions of their parents or their families <clears throat> and didn't have any religious affiliation. But when they asked them if they were spiritual, again, 90% of them said, yes, they identified as spiritual. Uh, so I, I find that very interesting just in terms of the, the evolution of the collective consciousness of humanity that is showing up now in the younger generations. And it, it shows that trend out of more egocentric experience and into the trans-egoic uh, levels of experience that are more anchored in uh, a holistic and inclusive philosophy of life. Well, and it begs to ask the question, if we talk about oneness, we talk about this collective shift, where does intention fit in? You know, setting an intention, does that drag everybody collectively forward? Does the universe just align everybody so that our intentions all kind of flow together? Where is the role of the individual and his or her individual intention fit in? Well, first of all, we'd have to understand the primary intention in consciousness, the consciousness that we all are. And that primary intention is very simple, and that is to ever more fully be itself through the experience of itself. So, obviously, we are here experiencing and through our experience growing. And, and what is the measure then of our growth? What's the real measure of evolution? And that measure is, uh, according to the classical tradition, self-awareness, or we could translate that to holistic awareness. We grow out of an illusory duality uh, and an illusion of separation into a truthful experience of interconnectedness and interrelatedness or oneness in life or oneness in consciousness. <clears throat> so as that unfolds, we uh, see that um, we are always in relation to universal consciousness. The individual is always in relation to the universal, and we endeavor to align our individual intention with universal intention. And when we can do so, we create a more balanced experience, and through balance, 
uh, our holistic awareness expands or we become more whole and holistic in our experience. So individual intention then is very important, but it has to be truthful and it has to be in alignment with universal intention or the primary intention in consciousness or life itself. Uh, MC, we've had uh, we've had guests recently on the show that talk about the shift that we're going through now from the Piscean age to the Aquarian age, from the masculine energy into the feminine energy, and they bring that you know Donald Trump is like the poster boy for the end of the Piscean age. Um, is, is, does that do, is, do, are you feeling that? I mean, are you feeling that that shift, or is it? Uh, apparently, they say by the end of January, we're all going to feel we're going to feel a little lighter because of, of this shift into, into the feminine energy. Mm. <clears throat> the, the major shift that um, is relevant today is the shift that happened around the time of 2012. And that's the change of a 26,000-year cycle that, that kind of corresponds to the procession of the equinoxes, uh, etc. E- each culture represents it in, in a different way, and that's a 26,000-year cycle. And when it changes, it is said that uh, consciousness makes a quantum leap in its evolutionary experience, and there is a proportional shift then in awareness from more fragmented levels to more holistic levels of experience. But we have to remember that this is a 26,000-year cycle, and it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, It happens very gradually and very slowly. But I think we have seen enough evidence that there has been this shift and continues to be this shift that is evolving again more toward that uh, divine feminine uh, archetype, which is the archetype of uh, inclusion and flow uh, in consciousness or, or the recognition that the many are one. And I often say that to uh, <clears throat> people uh, when I'm teaching or you know what, I need to take a commercial break. I don't mean to interrupt you. We're visiting today with Master Charles Cannon. This is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin for Powered Up Talk Radio. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velasi's words, when we do 
old things in new ways and new things in old ways. We paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Vilasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. It's words you never heard. Here are some tips from the popular UK internet site BuzzFeed to help make your life a little more fun. Next time you catch a cold, try adding a touch of magic by holding a handful of glitter in front of your mouth just before you sneeze. By the way, here's a word coined by a Canadian disc jockey for that feeling you get just before you sneeze. Anticipation. Hey, slang is just language with its sleeves rolled up. The actual medical term for sneezing is sternutation. Here's a suggestion from one expert for making a cell phone last longer. You can double the battery life of your cell phone by simply putting the darn thing down. Well, that's plain old rumble gumption, which is another word for common sense. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we are visiting today with Master Charles Cannon, and you can find out more about him at synchronicity.org. Now, before we get too deep into our next topic, I want to talk about technology, because you guys know I'm a big old nerd, and I built my life on technology. I don't think I can function very well without it, and I feel like I'm at one with my machines, and I sit uh, surrounded, Master Cannon, I sit surrounded by like four screens a day. I'm constantly creating, and I, when I'm having a bad day, my machines have a bad day. When I'm having a good day, they fly like the wind. And so I'm curious to talk to you about where do you feel technology fits into this whole oneness aspect? <clears throat> well, again, if there is only one, and we're calling that one consciousness or life energy, then that has to include both biology and technology. And we see this beautiful evolution now in terms of the interaction or the interface of biology and technology as never before. And <clears throat> futurists are saying that technology is going to out-evolve biology, uh, meaning that ultimately technology will become more self-aware than human beings and uh, what that spells for our future. But for where we are today in the, in the great information age where everybody is connected constantly to their digital devices, it's an important understanding to have that technology is not your enemy. 
uh, but that technology is really an aspect of the same consciousness, the same life that you are, and if you harness it appropriately, it can be very beneficial and supportive to the greater evolution of your individuated consciousness. And that's why I, I work a lot with technology and, and have created technological applications for meditations that can bring technological precision to the ancient art and science of meditation and make it available to anyone, anywhere, uh, to use um, in, in uh, myriad ways that can support uh, the greater evolution uh, of their consciousness. So yes, technology is most important, and the more we can find a harmonious interface with it and a balanced interface with it, it can radically uh, enhance our experience of being human. Well, and I can tell you, when I got a couple of meditations from different guests, and I could put them on my iPhone, and, you know, while I'm in the bathtub or sitting in the carpool lane at, you know, picking up my kids from school or doing things that with left to my own devices, MZ, I don't think I'd be as effective. But to be able to plug one of those little suckers in and really go on like a mental magic carpet ride and come back refreshed and invigorated, full of ideas and feeling fresh and happy, um, there's an example of how technology marries itself with the ancient art of meditation. Because one of the things I have a hard time with, you can't tell already, is focused. And trying to stay focused on my own, sitting there like cross-legged and doing the own thing, it just is really hard for me. But if you walk me through a guided meditation or you teach me something, I'll be a good foot soldier. And technology makes it possible for us to bring that wherever we go. And if I'm in a jam and I'm really stressed out and I can pop those on my ears and keep going, I would say that's a pretty good marriage of technology and the ancient art of meditation. Absolutely well said. Focus is proportional to balance. And one of the most time-honored techniques of balance is meditation. But modernizing meditation with technology just makes it a more precision experience of balance and focus every time you use it. <clears throat> I created a, an app uh, for uh, meditation and I called it Now the Technology. In other words, how to experience wakefulness and true reality in the here and now of its happening with the assistance of technology. That app has been downloaded over 100,000 times, and it's free. Uh, it's available. And when I uh, was invited to present at LinkedIn in Silicon Valley, and I shared with them that most um, pundits today or coaches or medical people will tell you that you – you have to be careful with your use of technology because it can imbalance you. So you periodically have to unplug from it and revert to that cave age style of meditation uh, that most people try and, as you are sharing, uh, can't stay with it. And so I went there and I said, no, don't unplug. Learn how to use technology to harness it to support your balance while you're using it. So you can use technologies like this while you're working at your computer, while you're on your phone. It can be as simple as playing on your iPod or a little MP3 player in your pocket, and you don't even have to hear it. And it is entraining a beautiful balance 
in your energy field and supporting you in being wakeful and present. And then you're more productive. uh, You're more creative. You are more awake and alert and alive, more fully alive as a human being moment by moment by moment. So uh, technology can be a great um, assistant to us uh, again, to more fully experience the truth of who we are and what life is as one energy, one consciousness. What was the name of that app? I'm, I got my phone handy. I'm like sitting here waiting to look it up. Um, it's under the synchronicity logo, and the name is Now. Now, now the technology. Now the technology. Well, you know what I'm going to be doing while Linda asks yeah. the next question. <laughs> Very good. You know, but it's really and funny another because... important aspect of that uh, is that uh, we're we're talking about experiencing true reality as the oneness or the essential consciousness or essential spirit or essential life energy. Uh, why? What's the point of that? And the point of it is that consciousness, the very life energy, the essence of all and everything is an innately happy energy. It is fulfilled in itself. It is happy for no reason. It's self-delighting. So when you tap into that, when you experience that, what do you experience? You experience an increase in your contentment. You're an increase in your happiness and you find that you are happy for no reason. That's the fulfillment of the oneness of life, of the oneness of consciousness. The ancient uh, masters and meditators called that bliss, the bliss of consciousness. And technology can assist us to experience that true reality of one blissful consciousness moment by moment in the here and now happening of modern life. That's so cool. While you were talking, I downloaded your app. And <laughs> it's a, I know, it's so exciting. And it's got cool things on it. I just want to share them really quick. There's a 10-minute version, you know, for people like me. There's a 60-minute version for people like Linda who are much more patient. But there's a meditation guide. There's all sorts of other cool stuff on here. So you guys are going to want to check it out. And it's pretty. Like, it's visually pleasing to look at. Most apps are ugly. So i got to give you props for that, MC. You did a good job. Uh, thank you very much. <clears throat> and remember, with that app, um, it's just all you will hear if you listen to it is the sound of the ocean. And embedded within that is a sonic technology that balances the two sides of your brain and creates that more unified experience. But what's even more important is you don't even have to hear it. If it's just playing on your phone or playing on your iPod or an MP3 player in your pocket, it works just as brilliantly as if you were hearing it. So you don't have to wear headphones, like you don't have to put it on, like you can have it while you're driving and not go into like a meditation state and crash? Absolutely no. This technology is designed to make you wakeful and present in the here and now, within the eternal now of true reality. So it will just be expansive to your awareness, but it will make you more alert. It isn't going to put you to sleep. 
Awesome. Awesome. Oh. Well, Master Charles Cannon, you've also got some books for sale. Can you let us know what those books are um, so that we can go out and get copies and learn even more? My most current book is uh, just released in the last couple of months. It's called Living an Awakened Life, The Lessons of Love. And the previous book to that, the one that I'm most known for, um, is called Forgiving the Unforgivable. And that was based on my experience of the Mumbai terrorist attack in 2008, <clears throat> where I was there with a group of 25 of my students from all over the world, and we were uh, held captive for three days, and, and two of our members were killed and, and four were seriously injured. And, and thereafter, we were forgiving of the uh, terrorists, uh, and that went out through the international media, and we received thousands and thousands of responses from people all over the world saying that, number one, we had inspired them, and number two, wanting to know how did we get to be that way and how could they learn to be that way, too. So well, I think these are so important. I want to thank you for being our guest today. You guys can look up his books, Master Charles Cannon. I think I myself am going to get that forgiveness book because I think we all can learn that. The app that he was talking about, just go under Now the Technology. That one's not too hard, and it's bright gold, so you can't miss it. Um, you guys are going to want to check these things out because these are tools that we can use to help raise our consciousness, to help what uh, we want to manifest or dream or create. I know Linda and I talk all the time about what we're creating and what kind of world we want to live in. We're visiting today with Master Charles Cannon. You can find him at synchronicity.org. Now we're going to be back again next week with another great episode of Powered Up Talk Radio. You can also find us on iTunes. We'll be back again next week. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and